are listening to Radio Influence. This is the Valor Hour on Radio Influence. Your weekly glimpse inside all things Valor Fights and a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, Tim Loy. Welcome to another edition of the Valor Hour. I'm your host, Tim Lloyd, joined by my co-host, Justin Watson. And we got Chad Finnerty sitting in again on the show this evening. We've got a recap special for you all today. We'll be uh, recapping and getting reactions on all the fights that went down at Camp Jordan Arena down in Chattanooga this past weekend for Valor 73. A little bit of controversy in the main event. We'll get to all that here a little bit later. Uh, but uh, when we do, we'll be bringing in uh, Jeff Hobbs and, and Greg Hopkins to go over uh, that card and uh, picks, uh, scores, all that good stuff. Uh, gentlemen, how we doing? We're, uh, we're finally off of two fight weeks and eight days and uh, got a, a little bit of a, a reprieve, not much of one, just about three weeks until we're uh, – we're right back at it here uh, in uh, in Knoxville. Yeah, man, I'm tired of being on the road. Uh, be back on here in a couple weeks, though, I guess. Huh? Yeah, it's a fun one for for Knoxville. Chad, you pumped up? That's your pro debut card. I'm excited. Uh, doing a little weight cutting, getting the weight down. Uh, been waiting for this for a long time. It's really not even. It's on more like two and a half weeks. It's like not even three weeks. So like it's it's coming up on us pretty quick, guys. We'll get into all that card uh, a lot more uh, in the in the coming two weeks. But uh, before we get to our recap of hour seventy three, let's go over what went down in the national scene this past weekend. Uh, a couple Bellator cards leading off. We had Friday night's Bellator two forty five headlined by the rematch between Leota Machida and Phil Davis. Bill Davis takes a split decision uh, to probably earn another fight with Nimkov, I guess, for the belt, most likely. Uh, Kat Zingato with a less-than-inspiring decision win over the heavily the heavy uh, underdog in Gabby Holloway. Uh, one, uh, one fight that kind of upset the Bellator Apple card, it looks like Ed Ruth uh, falls to submission by heel hook uh, less than a minute into the first round to Taylor Johnson. That is uh, probably not exactly how Bellator wanted that fight to go. And then uh, opening up the main card, it was Raymond Daniels and Peter Stanonik going to a no contest after two of the most vicious low blows you shall ever seen. Left Peter Stanonik on the mat literally crying in tears. It was pretty hard to watch. Uh, really, uh, really heavy, uh, heavy shot there. Uh, two heavy shots. Uh, from the former world champion kickboxer Raymond Daniels. Also, another upset on the undercard, Alex Polizzi with a decision win over uh, former champ uh, Rafael Carvajo. Leslie Smith beats Amanda Bell by decision. We got another accidental low blow lead to a no contest. Tyrell Fortune and Jack May. We didn't get a winner there. And then the little brother of Kevin Lee, Keith Lee, gets a unanimous decision win over the Brazilian Vinicius Zani. Uh, Justin, uh, anything stand out to you from Friday night's card? Well, I mean, I think um, not to, you know, harp on it already, but the, the two no contests definitely stick out. Um, it's not often that you get two fights. Well, I mean, it's not often that you get groin strikes that stop fights, period, um, that they can't continue in. But uh, also just after what we saw this weekend, you know, seeing um, illegal strikes that ended fights, both of those were in the second round um, and ended in no contest because of an illegal strike. Um so that, that that's always interesting. 
Kazangana, like you said, she didn't look that great, man. Um, it's been a while since she's been in there. She took, you know, took all three rounds on two of the judges' scorecards, and all three judges gave her a 10-8 in one round, but she, I thought she lost the second round. Uh, Gabrielle Holloway, you know, started to turn it on there for a little bit. Um, it was a big, tough one for Ed Ruth. Um, you know, that, that guy um, trains with, uh, uh, what's his name? I can't remember. He's out uh, in California, I think. Yeah, what's uh, the kid that just quit on the stool not too long ago that we talked about oh, a couple Rose times? Cop, bro. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah. Who's his coach? Uh, Drysdale. Drysdale, yeah. I'm pretty sure Taylor Johnson is one of Drysdale's guys. Um, oh, okay. So it's kind of rough. You know, just not really a great matchup for Ed Ruth. I don't think that, you know, he's he fought Neiman Gracie. It didn't go very well. Um, so to be going against another, you know, high-level jiu-jitsu guy, um, and get stopped like that, you know, I think they need to, his management should, should really be taking a better look at who they're matching him against. And, um, I don't know if he's just taking all comers right now or, or what the deal is, but I think he needs to, to look at his matchups a little bit better moving forward for sure. Yeah, no doubt, man. Uh, the Saturday card, uh, a little bit uh, lighter on fights. It looked like they only had, I think maybe seven fights on the Saturday card. It was a Bellator 246. Crowning a new Bantamweight champion, it was Juan Archuleta improving to 25-2 and two with a five-round decision over Apache Mix. Uh, Neiman Gracie with a heel hook submission in the second round over John Fitch. And Liz Carmouche makes her uh, Bellator debut and gets a third-round submission by Renee Kachok over uh, veteran Deanna Bennett. Also on the main card, or maybe a little bit of an upset. I don't know if it was or not. I mean, this guy was undefeated. Keone Diggs with a third-round Renee Kachok. Over Derek Campos, longtime Bellator staple there. Also saw Daniel Madrid with a split decision over Pat Casey. Ty Werder with a left, uh, I'm sorry, the TKO by uh, a strikes in the third round over George Pacos. And then Davion Franklin with a decision over Ross Hilton. Lots of decisions here. Some decisions and submissions here. No, uh, um, only one knockout. Uh, anything of note here, Justin? Yeah, man, I think this is another decent main card um, as far as you know, uh, top level athletes and, and competitors in there. I think the Derek Campos fight to me, it was an upset for sure. I mean, Derek Campos has been doing pretty well over there and, um, for, for digs to, to get the submission, um, you know, is a, is a good, good statement for him. Liz Carmouche had a more of a veteran opponent, like you said, um, and still was able to go in there and get a finish. Um, the, the Neiman Gracie and John Fitch fight was, was wild. Um, that it was a it, it depends on where you look at so i've seen it in multiple places some people were calling it a knee bar and some people were calling it a heel hook but it was kind of a combination of a inverted heel hook and a knee bar he was twisting as he was you know bending that knee back um that, that it was filthy uh, and then john fitch retires you know after an outstanding career the guy's been in there with everybody um you know fought for the title in the ufc and in bellator um won the, the title in um World Series of Fighting, I think. So, um, hopefully, he'll have a good good retirement. And Juan Archuleta and Patchy Mix is one I was talking about a couple weeks ago that I thought was going to bring fireworks. Patchy Mix was he he was you know game early, and I think he kind of gassed out a little bit. But Archuleta just showed the the type of veteran that he is. Um, it's been a long time coming for that guy. He's been you know in some of the bigger organizations for a long time and training with some of the top guys in the sport. Um, and, and everybody's known for a long time that his time was going to come, and uh, he capitalized on it this weekend and got a big win. 
UFC's offering took place Saturday night from Vegas. It was UFC Vegas, um, I guess it's 10. Uh, Watterson versus Hill was the main event. Uh, actually, a much better fight than what I, I anticipated here. It's what decision win for Michelle Watterson, kind of the tail of two fights. First half of the fight, Angela Hill really giving her trouble with her, uh, her length and her volume. But uh, third round, Michelle Watterson gets the takedown and starts to turn the tide. The last couple rounds, Hill starts to peter out a little bit. And uh, Watterson gets a big win, you know, for her. That's uh, kind of keeps her in relevance uh, to, to get another big fight, essentially, whereas a loss would have really been detrimental, I think. Whereas Angela Hill, you know, I still think they're high on her. It's a, it's a heartbreaking loss for her, but I, I think they she'll still retain her her top 15 ranking. Uh, your thoughts on this one, man. What do you think uh, Watterson goes next? I'd like to see uh, Tatiana return to fight her. Yeah, it's, it's a strange one, you know. Like I said, she was coming off of two losses, so she, she, she definitely needed a win here. Um, the fight was was definitely back and forth, split decision. You know, one judge gave it to Angela Hill. I don't know what she has to do, man. This is two pretty close ones in a row. Um, it, I don't know. She, you know, the, she got the takedown in the in the second round, I think it was, but um, or later on. But um, she, I think she was one for eighteen on takedown attempts. Michelle Watterson, she. Landed a few more strikes, but she threw a tremendous amount more strikes. Her accuracy was was far lower than Angela Hill's. Um, so I think, you know, it's another fight that Angela Hill could have had go to her way. Um, two split decision losses in a row. But I'm with you. I think the UFC will still match her as if it were, um, you know, I don't think they'll match her like it was a, a big loss. I think they'll keep riding her pretty high. Um but it's just a it's a tough division there. I mean, you got to kind of make a statement in those smaller girls. Um, it's just it's just hard hard to get those finishes, you know. Co-main event saw a little bit of an upset. I actually like this guy. I was on him at Dog Money. Otman Azatar with a first round knockout over Kama Worthy, who uh, had won a couple upsets in a row with over Devonte Smith and Luis Pena. You know, and he had the hype coming into this, but uh, Azatar, uh, man, he just thoroughly dominant and knocks him out in the first round. Moves thirteen and zero. Think that's um, you know he's he's matches up with a lot of guys very uh, you know to make some very fan friendly fights. Roxanne Modafferi with a decision win unanimous over Andrea Lee is a pretty big underdog. Andrea Lee was a pretty heavy favorite there, and Modafferi beats her for the second time. Uh, Lee's takedown defense just isn't there. You know Modafferi uh, had those those well timed, well placed takedowns that really kind of uh, you know made sure that she got that decision win. A little bit of craziness in the one before that as Ed Herman gets a third-round submission by Kimura over Mike Rodriguez. After getting thoroughly beaten over two rounds, uh, there is a, uh, I guess, a body shot by uh, Mike Rodriguez that really forced a reaction out of Ed Herman. And the referee, Chris Tyone, uh, called a halt to the action and said it was a foul from a low blow, and it wasn't really a low, it wasn't near a low blow at all. Gave Ed Herman time to recover, and then he comes back and wins by submission in the third. Hopefully, Mike Rodriguez will uh, get that thing overturned. Hate that that happened because Chris Tyone's like one of my favorite refs. He's such a nice guy, such a such a uh, calming uh, calming uh, force in the octagon. He really screwed the pooch on this one, though. And then uh, let's see here. Uh, we also on the main card we had Bobby Green take a pretty dominant decision win over Alain Patrick. He keeps rolling there. Bobby Green having a really good year. And then opening the main card, Billy Quarantillo, Billy Q gets a knockout in the third round over a hard-charging Kyle Nelson, who gave him hell for that first round, but then he ran out of gas, and Billy Q uh, turned it on. Uh, Justin? 
Yeah, Billy Q's really starting to make a name for himself, I think, you know, coming off. He's only got three fights, I think, in the UFC, but he's got a bigger name than guys who have seven or eight just because he's coming in there and showing that he, he's got the dog in him to stick out. These fights were, you know, somebody coming hard at him, and uh, he has the longevity to stick out the fight and land something and, and get a big knockout there. You know, it's a seven seconds into the third round. You don't see him that quick into a round that often. Um, Bobby Green looked good, you know, three, three wins inside of like four or five months. Um, before that he had, I think he only had like one win in, in like the last four years, um, before that. So he's really turned it, turned around a lot. I think over the last couple of years, um, he had a pretty wild, wild interview afterwards. I don't know if you saw it or not, but, um, Ed Herman one was wild, man. You know, um, Ed Herman's reaction is what led the referee to, I guess assume that it was a, a groin strike where maybe he didn't he didn't actually see exactly where it landed at the time. I don't know why we can't use replays in situations like this. Um, but it, it would have been nice in in that instance for for Mike Rodriguez. You know, it was it was a it was obviously a, a body shot, and Ed Herman's not going to say, "Oh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a low blow; it was to the body." I just can't continue. Um, so he did what he had to do, and, and he squ- squeezed out the win. But he was honest about it afterwards, you know, and said it was a he looked like shit out there basically, and you know he just was able to get it done. Um, Roxanne, man, she can she'll surprise you. Uh, you know, she goes in there with some of the toughest girls in the world and, and comes out on top when you think she has no shot um, and keeps herself relevant. You know, she's been doing it for a long time, probably the most experienced uh, flyweight that we have. Um, and you know, she's got more losses than most of those girls have. She got, she probably got three times the amount of losses as most girls in that division have fights. Um, but she's just been around forever. Uh, and then Ottoman, you know, that that's kind of what a lot of people were worried about. I think a lot of people kind of thought if it went to a decision that Commonworthy was going to be able to, um, take the second and third round. Um, but that um, Oatman was, was going to be tough in the first round and he came out and, and blasted through him. Of course, the undercard, we'll just run through this really quick. A uh, bit of an upset here in the featured prelim, Jara Eubanks with a decision win, pretty clear cut over Julia Vila, who's a favorite in that fight. Kevin Crooms brings another big upset as he takes a fight on day's notice against Roosevelt Roberts, gets a standing guillotine choke over a very tall Roosevelt Roberts. 31 seconds into the first round is a big underdog. Alexander Romanoff uh, improves to 12-0 heavyweight uh, win over Rocky Martinez with a uh, second-round arm triangle. Jalen Turner with a uh, second-round rear naked choke over Brock Weaver. Pretty dominant performance there, as expected. Brian Barbarino with a, uh, a decision, unanimous decision over Anthony Ivey. And Sabina Mazzo gets Justine Keish out of there in the third round with a rear naked choke. Anything on the prelims? I'm not going to harp on too much, but um, I think – we saw, uh, you know, the ever-improving Jalen Turner. You know, when you look at his record coming into this fight, I think he was nine and five or something, and it's a, a misleading record just for for the skill set that he has. I think he got in to the big leagues early, and he's fought stiff competition the whole time and had to learn on the job. But uh, I think he's coming into his own now, and he's just such a strong, long striker. Um, he's going to be problems for a lot of people there. Um, and I was surprised by the Sajar Eubanks fight. You know, I think she. Pretty much just ground out a decision, um, but I, I didn't pick her winning that fight. The Brian Barrina and Anthony Avi fight was possibly one of the better fights of the night, and those guys went back and forth for three rounds. Barbarina's always in those kind of fights, and I think 
um, after you know the the debut of Anthony Avio, I think was was very unimpressive, and I think you know just being able to to stick through this fight, he landed like five takedowns. You know, the striking was was on two different levels, but he was able to stay in there and and uh, showed that he had some resilience to him. And that'll do it for our recap of last week's UFC. We'll touch base real quickly on this week's card. It is the final Vegas card before they head back to Fight Island here. And uh, it's a pretty good one, man. I'm actually pretty pleased with this uh, ESPN Plus offering. And, uh, of course, the main event is uh, is a good one. It is Colby Covington taking on Tyron Woodley for five rounds. They, these guys got beef. They don't like each other. You know, um, to me, I feel like it's Colby Covington, uh, his fight to lose, though, man. He's pretty wide favorite, minus 350 or better. But, uh, you know, I just think he's got more ways to win, uh, barring a big a big power shot from Tyron Woodley knocking him out. And we just haven't seen that out of him in a couple of years, you know. So at any time it could happen, maybe he's motivated this time, you know, because of the, the heat there. But I think Colby Covington's probably the better wrestler at this point, probably the better gas tank. We know he's got the gas tank to go five rounds. Woodley, of course, can too, but he tends to fade a little bit late. Uh, of course, you know, uh, the, the power is going to be there early, and it'll be hairy, I think, early. But not my pick's Covington. Uh, what do you think about it, uh, Justin? Yeah, he's a he's a pretty heavy favorite. You know, when this fight was supposed to happen a couple of years ago, it was it was kind of reversed, and Woodley was the favorite in that fight when he had the title. But um, coming off ten straight uh, rounds where he was just dominated, um, Woodley just doesn't look the same. Uh, and Covington, you know, was arguably winning the fight against Usman before um, before the stoppage happened in the fifth round. So you know, he's going to be be giving him all he can handle. Um, it, I don't see Covington losing this fight, but like you say, it's it. Tyron's only real shot is is landing a big punch. If he tra- starts to circle the cage and and leave his back up against the cage like he tends to do recently, it's going to be a long night. Tyron struggles with with real uh, high volume, high pace guys like this, and uh, it's exactly what Covington is, you know. And but love him or hate him, there's not many dudes in the world that can beat Colby Covington right now. Yeah, no doubt. He's uh, he's certainly uh, he's certainly the real deal, whether you like him or not. Chad, your your take on this one, man. You've got uh, you got two two high level wrestlers going at it, but uh, to me, you know, I feel like Woodley's just a little longer in the tooth at this point, and uh, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be an uphill battle. Yeah, as Justin said, with it, uh, uh, if it would have happened a couple of years ago, I think it would have been a little bit more competitive. But uh, Tyron's getting just he, he's he's missing a step. And, uh, I mean, you saw the, the groundwork laid on, on how to beat him. And uh, I believe Kobe's going to come in there and, and just pressure and get the takedowns and, and ride him out and wear him out and, and end up getting the win on this one. All right, the co-main event, Donald Cowboy Cerrone taking on Nico Price. This one's got fan favorite fight written on it. I think this one will be a lot of fun. I'm a little surprised that Nico Price is the favorite here. I'm going to take a shot at Donald Cerrone plus 130 uh, just because, you know, of course, Cerrone's been in there. He's lost four in a row, but he's lost to the very, very best. You know, he's he's in there, uh, you know, with, with just – Guys that are uh, top of the division, you know, he's losing to Conor McGregor, he's losing to Justin Gaethje, Tony Ferguson, you know, guys like that. Whereas Nico Price, you know, he's like a 50-50 guy in the UFC, not like he's uh, he's really got uh, too many just, you know, uh, top top level wins, you know, wins over Randy Brown, George Sullivan, Tim Mean, James Vick. These, these guys aren't Cowboy Cerrone. When, when he stepped up to a Vicente Luque or a Jeff Neal, you know, he's getting finished, so... Uh, my pick is uh, Cowboy Cerrone here. What, uh, what do you think about this one, Chad? Uh, I, 
I am a huge Cerrone fan, and and I am pulling for him on this one. Um, it, this will kind of be the test, like you said. He's he's gone against the high level guys, and and he's lost the last couple. But um, you know, going going against Price, if he doesn't pull out the win, it may be time for him to to rack it up and and call it a day. If he can't get a a win against a mid level guy in the division, but uh, you know, Price Price has nothing to lose. I mean. Come out with a puncher shot, but I think I think Cerrone gets it just with his his veteran nature. He's just going to pull this one out. I think Nico definitely has uh you know uh, a good uh, you know he's going to have a, a yearning to get this feather in his cap. It definitely be a signature win for him. Justin, how you see this shaking out? I fucking hate this fight. <laughs> I think it's terrible management at this point in in Don Cerrone's career. It's it's time to stop just taking everything that's given to you. You know that's what built his name and that's what made everybody love him so much. But at, you know when you're coming off of four losses like that, two names like that, there's no reason that that you can't sell Cerrone in another big name right now. That you know I, I don't know. I think Nico's a terrible matchup for him because of the size, because of Nico's wild nature and and unorthodox um, things that he does. I think Cerrone's better everywhere, hands down. But um, I think size is going to be a major factor, and um, the j- just the the wild, um, just erratic movements and stuff of Nico Price. You know, he just he scares me in there with anybody. Um, but I-, I hope Donald gets it done, man. I just I just hate the matchmaking on this one. I feel like they could have gotten him, you know, a, a payday and kept his name going um, as as one of these top guys, like you know, an Anthony Pettis or somebody like that, you know, they just came off of a fight with him, but, um, but just, you know, it, it should have been more of a veterans, uh, fight lined up for Cerrone than this. I don't want to see him get fed to these tigers coming up. Rounding out the rest of this main card. It's pretty good. I got to say, man, like I'm, I'm, you could have fooled me into maybe paying for this card. Kamzat Chimaev, the uh, the uh, the new golden boy for the UFC, of course, eight and zero, wins two fights over on Fight Island, uh, taking a big step up in comp- he- competition here against uh, GM three Gerald Mearshart, who uh, is a major underdog on this one. Uh, of course, four to one, pretty much or better in some places. For uh, Chimaev, uh, who's already been booked to fight Damian Maya here, so Gerald Mearshart taking some exception to that booking and uh, kind of sees that as a little disrespectful, which I, I definitely can see. Um, man, it's it's very uh, that one's a hard one to call. I think Gerald's grappling is there with Chimaev, but I think Gerald's just shown to be possibly a little chinny, and whenever they if a big shot gets put on him, so if Jemayev lands a big one standing, then, um, you know, I could maybe still see him getting, like, ground and pound uh, victory. Johnny Walker versus Ryan Spann, that's going to be a lot of fun. Two finishers, both needing wins. Uh, hard one to call there, man. One of the hard ones on the on the card. I'm going to lean Johnny Walker, but just because I don't think that Ryan Spann's really got the uh, the takedowns to, to get him down and, and put him where he's going to be at his weakest, but uh, that's an exciting fight. Another fun one here, Mackenzie Dern, grappling ace, takes on Random Marcos. And, uh, man, I'm, I'm kind of looking at the underdog here in Random Marcos because I, I think her wrestling may be good enough to to keep the fight standing where Dern really isn't that good. Marcos, that good. And, uh, TriStar, 
where, uh, you know, you know, they're going to game plan uh, for a one dimensional fighter like Dern. So I, I see a little bit of dog underdog value there. And then opening the main card, Kevin Holland takes on Darren Stewart. Uh, another fun fight, man. A really good one. Uh, two entertaining guys. And uh, that's a really hard one to call well, uh, as well. Kevin Holland minus 250 uh, seems a little steep just because I know that Darren Stewart's going to be dangerous. So uh, really, really good main card. Justin, uh, anything on here intrigue you? Yeah, those, that's, those are steep lines. I made that fight after they both fought um, a month or so ago. And uh, afterwards, we were talking about who to match up. And I said this would be a good one to line up next uh, with Kevin Holland and, and Darren Stewart. Um, I like Kevin Holland in that fight. I agree with you that Marcos, the experience and stuff, is, could turn out to be a problem for Mackenzie Durham. I, I think that her striking is coming along pretty well. She's a really good athlete. And, you know, striking is not um, – it's not jujitsu. It doesn't take that long to learn how to defend yourself and, and throw ones and twos. Um, and that's all she really needs to be able to do uh, to get close enough to, to get McKenzie or to get Ronda to the ground. Um, so I look for an early submission out of McKenzie during that one. Johnny Walker has to get a win here. If he loses, I mean, you know, he was kind of thrown to the, to the stars early and he's lost his last two fights. Um, so if he loses this one, it's, it's his trajectory is, Definitely um, going in the opposite direction. Uh, and tell me I'm an idiot next weekend on Sunday, but I'm telling you right now, Gerald Mearshart is a bad fucking matchup for Jemayev. The size difference, I think, is going to be very noticeable. And you're talking about a guy who's got 45,000 fucking fights against a guy with eight fights. The experience is going to be a major, major factor. I don't think Jemayev is going to be able to land a big enough shot on the feet, I think his bigger shots are once he gets you to the ground. And when he opens up like that to start throwing, I think Gerald's going to jump on an arm or, or jump on a triangle and, uh, and cinch it up. Um, so I think there's some money to be made right there. Routing out the card, it gets a little uh, sketchy from there on the undercard. It's not a whole lot to uh, to uh, be interested in, but I'm not going to, uh, you know, I'm not going to uh, – Clown on it too bad because the main card's so good. Miguel Baeza versus Jeremiah Wells. Myra Buena Silva versus uh, Mara Romero Barella. No, thank you. Jordan Espinosa, David Dvorak, a couple ranked flyweights. Sarah Alfar, Jessica Rose Clark, Randy Costa, Jeremy Newsom, Andre Yule, Irwin Rivera. That may be a decent fight. Derek Minner is getting fed to the wood chipper again against uh, TJ Laramie. And then Tyson Nam, who was supposed to fight Matt Schnell last week, stays in Vegas and gets Jerome Rivera fresh off the Contender Series. Not looking that great. I like Tyson Nam a lot there. Justin, anything? Yeah, I agree with you on on the last one. TJ Larman's coming off of a recent Contender Series also. Um, looking to come in and put a staple on his name um, yeah, at Featherweight. Um, really, man, uh, Andre Yule hasn't really you know impressed me too much. He came in and fought um, – Tim Burrell in his first fight, and I, I thought he did well uh, for that being his first fight, and he just hasn't hasn't really impressed me much since then. Uh, Mursad Bektik, they're given tons and tons of respect to on the books. The, this guy is fighting thirteen and one, um, so I think it might be a little bit tougher of a fight than than they're calling for. I think he's the biggest favorite uh, on the card. Gregory, he's out. Do what? Did they replace Gregory? Because he's out. Oh no, it's Gregory is what I have on here. He, he dropped today. COVID, his corner has COVID, so he, I don't think Bectic will probably get rematched. Oh shit! It's hard to say, maybe, but I'd say he'll be more like a backup for one of these other ones. Yeah, 
Well, that's really it then, man. I, you know, I like watching Rashad Bechtick fight, but if he's not on there, I don't. I like Jessica Rose Clark, man. That's my girl. She's fucking hot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's uh, the UFC Vegas 11. Uh, last show before they go to Fight Island for a month. We will recap that next week. And with that, let's get into our main feature for this week. And that is a recap of Valor 73 from this past weekend in Chattanooga. Let's bring on our other two panelists now, Greg Hopkins and Jeff Hobbs. All right, it's time to recap and get reactions to Valor 73. It went down this past Saturday night, September the 12th, from the Camp Jordan Arena in Chattanooga, Tennessee. A lot of uh, of action, man. We had a a nice crowd. Uh, Everybody did their social distancing, I think, to the best of their ability. And uh, we were able to... to provide some really good action, some close fights, some upsets, some uh, some come from behind wins. Uh, we had a little bit of everything. Uh, Justin, what was our tally coming into this week? Coming into this week, uh, Hobbs was in the lead with 28 points, Greg with 26, and Chad with 24. All right. Opening things up, we had uh, our one and only combat grappling match, Josh Maynard, uh, with a uh, submission due to, due to slaps. Over Trevor Blankenship, who is coming off his win over uh, Darren Hastings, competing two times in eight days. And uh, this is all Maynard uh, gets the takedown, slaps the shit out of him. I mean, we, we've talked about it on here. We've joked about it on here. Were we ever going to see a, uh, you know, a submission to, to slaps? And we got it finally on this night. Uh, Greg, uh, Josh Maynard, a buddy of yours, looked like uh, he had a good time up there. Yeah, I'm actually sitting here looking at him right now, and he's walking in front of Triangle Academy, pacing back and forth. I don't know what he's doing, but uh, I was going to have him actually come on and surprise talk, but he don't look happy right now. Amped, he's getting amped up for his next match. No, oh, he's begging for another one. He's asking if he can get one at Joe, and then he's saying, when you're coming back to Nashville, so he's, or Chattanooga, he doesn't care. He's wanting to get on one quick. But, yeah, dude, him and Trevor Blankenship. Uh, Josh was walking around before the match, you know, pacing back and forth, uh, Nervous and everything, and running up back up and down there. But like, who is this madman right here? The moment he got back there, as Coach Clay told him, "Hey, dude, relax. Go out there and do your thing." He did everything but relax. And he went out there and he scooped the double leg to the ground. And you know, and I joked before. I said, "Hey, we've never had a TKO dude a strike." And um, and and, a, and and he said, "Dude, I'm gonna try." So he put everything he had into that man. And uh, shout out to Josh for getting that. His first ever uh, time doing a. Uh, a combat uh, combat grappling, you know, jiu-jitsu match. So he's thrilled, excited. He's got he's full of joy, and uh, I'm real proud of him, man. So shout out to Josh Maynard there. How were the picks there, Justin? Hobbs dropped that one. Greg and Chad hit it with Maynard. All right, our uh, next bout, Muay Thai rules. This was a good one. We had uh, the big boys going at it. Harrison Aiken taking on, uh, it was Hank Peppers uh, in this one. And Harrison Aiken looking good in the first round. Uh, hands looking very sharp. Takes 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 the first round on all the cards. Second round, it starts getting a lot closer. And Harrison absorbs a low blow that seemed to take some steam out of him. Uh, Hank starts to really turn it on at that point. And the judges gave Hank the second round. Leaving it all up to that third round, which Hank got as well. Uh, really good showing for both guys. I didn't know who was going to get that second round. I thought it was really close because it did look to me like Hank was landing more. But like the way Hank fights, it it almost looks like he's like troubled in there. You know, like he he maybe it looks like he's like his facial expressions are a lot of grimaces and things like that. Which I know maybe that would sway the judge to make it look like he was having a harder time than he was. But good win for Hank. Uh, Harrison looked good too, and uh, you know. It, his hands, especially, like I say, he, he looked really sharp. Uh, good fight overall. Uh, your thoughts on this one? Let's go to Chad. I thought it was a great fight. Um, and like you said, that, that low blow did take a little bit out of him. Um, 
but man, that talk about back and forth. It was it was definitely entertaining. I was on the edge of my seat. Um, you know, Hank's persistency just just throughout the second and third round and his activity is what ended up winning it for him. And Justin, how'd that shake out? Um, Chad took uh, Aiken on that one and dropped it. Hobbs and Greg got peppers. All right, up next was our K-1 rules bout. It was Julio Osorio taking a split decision win over young Jake Phillips from Highestan. A really good fight. You could tell Jake really kind of wanted to use that tie style. That's what most of his fights had been in. Julio, very good job with just getting in and out, landing the big overhand ride, uh, just sneaky a lot of the times. And uh, he gets it. Two judges uh, had it for him. One judge went the other way. Uh, Nice action fight. Uh, Jeff, your thoughts on that one? Yeah, it was just uh, really, as the scores uh, proved, a tight fight, uh, really close. I know, again, me and you sit side by side, and, you know, this is one of those where we go back and forth and just go, man, I'm glad I'm not having to judge that round. Um, You you hit the nail on the head where Jake was, uh, you could tell, really trying to do more of a traditional uh, style. Osario is just banging away still, you know. Uh, I feel like, if I remember correctly, he really worked the body well, too. Um, but uh, close fight. It was a great fight. Um, and I believe I took Osario, so hell yeah. Way to go, Julio. Yeah. But how do we shake out there, Justin? Yeah, Hobbs is the only one picking up a point on that one. Oh, Jeff makes up his first one, Faden uh, Maynard on that one. Uh, let's see. And then our final prelim was uh, – um, well, another tie fight. It was the younger Hep- uh, Peppers, Landon Peppers, taking on Thomas Fowler from the No Mercy group over there. Don't call them the Goon Squad. Um, not not with Thomas Fowler fighting. This is a lot of fun, man. Both these guys landed some big shots. Uh, Fowler, man, you know, he may not uh, be the most technical guy. The dude comes forward and throws bombs. And, uh, you know, Landon trying to uh, trying to circle off more, trying to be trying to finesse things a little bit more, but just uh, couldn't couldn't really get a lot of room to work there. As Thomas Fowler stopped him in the third round of the TKO after uh, knockdown before that, I believe, as well. Uh, let's see. We'll circle uh, circle back around to uh, Greg. Uh, this was the, the time of the night where a gogi took, took started their, their downslide right here, man. Landon. Uh, Landon, only 18, 19 years old, still a young buck, gotten in there with Fowler. I actually had the pleasure of sitting in the sauna with Fowler before we made weight there at the uh, Gold's Gym. And, uh, you know, he, he called me out from the locker room as I was, you know, hating life at the moment. And he yelled my name, and I wasn't certain who he was. He's like, yeah, I'm fighting Landon, you know, Landon uh, Peppers. And I was like, oh, oh man, that's going to be a good fight. You know, I believe so. But he put it on Landon, man, and he made Landon look like a, like a teenager in there. And uh, it was a big step up for Landon. And um, he uh, he faded in the later rounds, and I think he had an adrenaline dump, and Fowler just jumped on him with rib shots. You know, uh, I mean, he was punching him everywhere he could and just trying to put Landon out there. And Landon, you know, stood the test for as long as he could, but he uh, he, he took a leap of experience there. Both guys did, and congratulations to Fowler for uh, – put it on Landon whenever he, he had the opportunity. He didn't quit. And, uh, you know, that's not something we have got to see, see out of the, the goon squad uh, out of No Mercy MMA up there. So uh, maybe their whole gym starting to take a turn there because uh, we're seeing them uh, pull through with some guys with some Ws now. Justin, how did it shake out? Everybody took Landon on that one. 
Oh, wow. Okay. No points to be awarded. Move on to the main card with the MMA portion. We opened up with uh, the light heavyweights. It was uh, Gary Taylor taking on uh, D'Angelo Johnson. Gary Taylor at Oak Ridge. Uh, come out, came out fired up. D'Angelo Johnson uh, out of East Ridge there. So the Battle of the Ridges. He had the, some East Ridge wrestling shorts on there. Uh, and he uh, yeah, was able to get the takedown. And uh, from there, Gary Taylor was trying for some sort of ankle lock or something, but ultimately gave up position going for that and uh, ended up getting uh, TKO'd in the first round by D'Angelo. Chad, you said you weren't able to watch that one, so I'll skip on over to uh, to Jeff Hobbs, I guess, for this one. Uh, quick quick win for D'Angelo. I thought Gary Taylor wasn't real happy with the style. He didn't look like he was too beat up or anything, but uh, at the same time, uh, just uh, you know, wasn't responding. And in these debut fights, they're not gonna they're not gonna let you take too much. Jeff. Yeah, uh, D'Angelo looked great, man. Um, uh, you're right. He was the one with the uh, his his fight short said East Ridge on it. Yeah, he's from was East. This, um, guy. Yeah, I, I hate that. Sometimes I gotta try to recollect fights, and I don't want to sound like I wasn't paying attention. This this guy was just straight up dumping the other guy, wasn't he? Like, yeah, he was. Yeah, okay, this was the one I was thinking about. Yeah, just just high dumps, man, and. Um, it, it was impressive, man. And, and just being a debut fighter, I remember watching this guy just thinking about what kind of future matchups uh, we could, you know, possibly see him in uh, in the Valor ranks. It was, it was definitely impressive, man. And uh, as my boy Greg uh, likes to say, his rest, his wrestling was fucking good. I don't know if he has a wrestling background. I don't know the guy personally, but you could tell um, the guy knew what the hell he was doing, man. Yeah, you know, and in and, and 205, it's just kind of a shallow division. It doesn't take a lot to kind of just rise right up those ranks real quick. So I'd be interested to see where, where he goes next. Uh, Justin, uh, how, how were the picks? Everybody took Johnson on that one. All right, everybody gets a win. Moving on, lightweights. It was Joel Winters uh, coming off a loss to Garrett Sharp. Bounces back with a win here. A unanimous decision win over Brandon Williamson, who drops to one and four from the PMAC. Down in Alabama, uh, you know, Williamson wanted to strike here. Winner's uh, obvious wrestling background was was to his advantage. Giving up some size here now. I'll say Winner's typically competes at 145, and he did this one at 155 and came in at like 149. So uh, giving up some size here, I think he wanted to kind of play a safe and make sure he got the win, uh, kind of grinds out a decision, whatever, Williamson. Chad, uh, your thoughts? Yeah, Joel Chino come in there and did did what he needed to do to to beat Brandon, which is get him get him out of his element. Brandon is a straight up striker, and he took him completely out of his element, got out of danger, and and grinded out the win. Um, and you know, hate to say it, but you know when when you're one dimensional and you fight a guy that can take you out of that dimension, it's it's going to be very difficult to uh, to get that win, but. Uh, kudos to to Joel. He he got some good takedowns and he had some good control and he just grinded out a good win. Justin, everybody took winters. Everybody with the win. Moving on, it was featherweight Jalen Harper, who I was mistaken on his record. He was not one and uh, two coming into this because I actually mistook one of his tie fights for an MMA fight. He was one and one, and now he's two and one with a third round head kick knockout. Uh, 
thing of beauty uh, over the debuting Drake Keith out of Parks Ishinru and Team Ground Control in Dayton. Youngster Drake Keith, I believe only 18, 19 years old, showed a lot of heart, man, uh, fighting against Jalen Harper from the Killer Bees. Hung in there, uh, was in bad position for the most of the first two rounds, but never gave up, never quit. And then the third round came and Jalen Harper scores a, a just a walk-off head kick knockout that uh, was a thing of beauty. Uh, let's go to Greg. Man, I was actually uh, in the front office right there just trying to rest my legs and get ready for the, my fight. And uh, I was sitting there and I heard the crowd kind of getting into it. And I was assuming it was just like, you know, I didn't know what was going on. But then I heard an absolute uproar about six minutes later. And I had to come out of the office and then I see Jalen hopping up there and screaming into everybody just talking about how he connected on a head, just a brutal head kick. And I didn't hear about the first round. It might have been in the second round. I'm not sure. But I know that it was shortly after. I heard a big all and ooze. And then I heard uh, the whole stadium was shaking at that point at that point in time. And I came out and saw that. Justin, how did, uh, how did the shake out on the picks? Points for everybody. Points for all. Next fight, I predicted as a potential fight of the night, and man, did it deliver. Both these guys were tough as shit. Middleweight action, it was Damian Douglas, 1-0 and out of Ultimate MMA, and Albertville, Alabama, Alabama taking on the younger of the three Lewis brothers, Jordan Lewis. 0-1 coming into this one, about a year off, uh, representing High Stand and Dalton. Man, these guys really took it to each other. The first round was an absolute war. Douglas in there getting takedowns. You can tell he's got some wrestling behind him, too. Uh, just a just a warrior, man. But, uh, you know, Jordan Lewis, uh, just too too sharp, too uh, a little bit too uh, composed in the striking. I thought he started to pick him apart with some kicks. And uh, the gas tank on Lewis just, uh, you know, is very good uh, as he didn't fade at all. And Douglas started to fade um, in the second round. Third round comes around and uh, a body kick from Lewis just right off the uh, right off the the rip uh, drops Damian Douglas. Chris Bond steps in and stops it, and uh, I think it was a good stoppage at that point because I think Douglas was starting to get just too winded at that point. But really good showing from both guys. I'm a fan of both guys. Uh, love to have uh, Douglas back, even with the loss. And Jordan Lewis is a kid that has got a very bright future to be uh, so young and, and so talented. I've got to say. Uh, let's see. We'll go to uh, let's see. We'll go to Hobbs. Yeah, I was hoping you wouldn't because I do not remember this fight. Okay, well, no, no, it's actually time to go back to Chad because we switched y'all last time. Back to Chad. All right, yeah. Um, great fight right off the start. Uh, Damien got a nice uh, double and, you know, just kind of started fading. Like, I, at one point, I was almost worried for Damien's health on this one. Uh, his hands would drop and Jordan was just teeing off. Um, you could tell the gas tank had just just ran empty. Um, but he stuck in there. He's a tough kid. Yeah. Uh, kudos to kudos to Lewis. You know, I picked Damien. I thought Damien was going to be able to come in there and just and manhandle him like he did in the first. And I expected him to kind of just overwhelm Lewis and, and get a ground and pound win. Uh, but Jordan, Jordan proved me wrong. He, he outlasted Damien's uh, first rush and, and then ended up uh, getting the win. Good fight. Justin. Greg took the point there. Greg with the point. Moving on. Catch weights, 175 pounds. The debuting George Lowe out of Upstate Karate in Simpsonville, South Carolina. Coach Ray Thompson on hand in the corner. That was cool. Uh, Taking on uh, Dalton Smith. 0-1. Hadn't fought in several years out of uh, Gogi Combatis in Chattanooga. 
Um, the initial flurry here was uh, all George Lowe uh, uh, gets Dalton Smith to the ground. We get a little bit of a grappling action there. And Smith, for a moment, it looked like it was going to kind of turn things around, but uh, ended up in a bad position and uh, and ultimately gets finished there in the first round by uh, George Lowe with a very impressive debut, man. Very athletic. Uh, he's got a, you know, he's going to be a threat at that 170 division for sure. Uh, we'll go back to Jeff. You ready for this one? Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, George Lowe fights, looks, and acts exactly like someone you would think that came from, you know, that gym. And Will Magny. Yeah, with that coach. (laughs) And, and, I I mean, again, just very impressive. Looked way more seasoned than your typical, you know, debut fighter. And that's just indicative of – uh, the gym he comes from, the coaching he gets, and probably the training partners he has at that gym. So, um, you know, he can take this either way. He can really slow roll it and take his time, or he looks like he's got the type of potential to kind of fast track um, and maybe get out in the deeper waters quicker uh, and maybe not stay amateur uh, very long. Uh, it's it's going to be completely up to him and his team, but I think the skill level is there for that. Yeah, and it was just so long, man. He was just so long, um, and it just gave him so many weapons. Uh, definitely impressed, man. Impressive. And you know what's even wilder is like this guy's only been training for seven, eight months uh, with no prior background. He doesn't come from a wrestling background, or he's just uh, he's just one of these these naturals. So definitely a lot of uh, potential for George Lowe. How did the picks panel uh, do on this one, Justin? Uh, Greg New Irving, uh, Hobbs, Hobbs, <clears throat> Hobbs took low on that one. Everybody else took Smith. All right. Moving on, it was the first of two heavyweight bouts. It was uh, Jamel Titanium Taylor making the ride all the way down here from Indiana, trying to avenge his loss to the Black Cowboy back at the Joe a few months back. Taking on the debuting Cameron Gonder out of, um, I, I don't really know if it's American Killer Bees. I guess it's. Kind of American Killer Bees, but it, it, really he's kind of like Billy Swanson's protege. And uh, this was a fun one, man. Both these guys had their moments. Both these guys landed some big shots. It was uh, one-to-one uh, going into the third round. Gonder able to to gut it out and get that decision win over a very tough ty- uh, Jamel Titanium Taylor who had a, had a much better showing than he did in his fight against uh, Julian Goins at the, at the Joe last time. Uh, we'll go to Greg. <coughs> I'm so sorry. I was. It's uh, okay. Right. This was. Uh, no, but this, that, that, yeah, Cameron Gondra and yeah. Jamal Taylor. Yeah. Uh, I, I could be wrong. I don't know. I don't even know who won fight of the night or anything like that. But uh, this right here was a hell of a fight because in the earlier rounds, Jamal, uh, Jamal Taylor was actually was scoring on Cameron Gondra. And then, like, later on in the second round, you saw Jamal just kind of get taken down and sit. And he just kind of sat against Cage and just kind of. He just kind of sat there. And I, I could be wrong, but I think that, yeah, he is a protege of Billy. I, I don't know. I could be wrong. I think he's been training in and out of uh, possibly Mary Killer Beast and uh, Southside Jiu-Jitsu up there with Eli Carlson. I don't know. They've had a lot yeah. of guys coming in. Well, Eli out. was in his corner, I saw, and David wasn't. Okay, yeah. It might, he might be out of the uh, – might be out of – I don't know. We need to find that one out. But uh, never, nonetheless, dude, uh, talk about a 265-pounder. Did he have any trouble making weight? Because he was swole, man. No, he was under. I, I think he was like two fifty. He was like two fifty seven, and Jamel was like two sixty. Well, he was every bit of two fifty seven. I tell you that. 
Uh, be interested to see where uh, where if Gonder stays at it and wants to be, uh, you know, an active fighter out here. A little little longer in the tooth than your typical debut, but it looked like he really uh, had, was put together out there. So, uh, Justin, how did they pick him? Uh, everybody got that one correctly. Our second heavyweight bout grudge match, uh, as we were talking about, C.J. Baker undefeated out of East Ridge Fight Club, all six, eight of him, uh, with a grudge match against Josh Denham making his debut from Somerset Martial Arts, the teammate of Taylor Burton, whom uh, C.J. Baker knocked out uh, last time, uh, rose the ire of the coach, Ian Lawler, and he was uh, sending another rep out there to, to, to give it to C.J. And these guys were trading, man. They were throwing that heavy leather, but uh, C.J. just so long, so tall, just uh, so much power, man. And now he is 4-0 with four first-round knockouts. Um, incredible showing by C.J. Baker, and I believe I've got to give him a title fight next, man. Uh, what's your thoughts on it, Chad? Yeah, it was uh... – Good in the first little fury, but CJ just kind of walked away with it. Um, I hated it too because I picked Josh. I just figured Josh was going to have that uh, that that little animosity, and it was going to drive him through. And hopefully, Ian's got another heavyweight he can throw at CJ and see this one go back. Uh, keep this little rivalry going, but uh, yeah, CJ CJ looked good. Um, some heavy heavy hands and uh, got the knockout win. And CJ's built like few others. You know, it's rare you're going to get a guy that size or that much reach, 6'8", man. And, like, he hasn't had to show any wrestling at all to this point, but but I believe he's he can wrestle. Uh, he just keeps knocking guys out. So, you know, as we ramp up his level of competition uh, against your James Garmonies and Dale Dodds, be interested to see if he can keep finishing guys or, you know, if they take him into the later rounds, what happens. You know, I think he's a guy that uh, could still stand to up his training regimen you know, uh, to, to reach, you know, his, his, his peak potential. Uh, how, what were the scores there, Justin? Uh, Chad dropped that one. The other two were correct. All right. First title fight of the night for the featherweight championship vacated by Josh Lewis. It was Ninja Nick Wigley taking on Andrew Sturdivant, originally supposed to be Alex Brigande, who has moved up to 155 now. Sturdivant takes uh, this fight on somewhat short notice. I mean, he had about three weeks or so to get ready, but it uh, looked great out there, man. Andrew Sturdivant uh, improves his record to four and four, and uh, it's a tough four and four. It's a very deceptive four and four as he gets Nick Wigley out of there in the very first round of the submission. Uh, I want to say it's a rear naked choke. Pretty dominant win there from uh, Sturdy Sturdivant. Um, we'll go to uh, Hobbs. Yeah, man, this was a, it was a good fight. Um, you know, I, I, I know when, you know, we talked when this fight was originally Wigley versus uh, Pergande, and, um, it, you know, Nick's thing was, you know, he just he, – he really didn't necessarily plan on making a career out of this, and he has um, – he wanted to give this title shot, you know, a, a run in the amateur ranks. Um, and, and I felt that I just don't, yeah, I don't want it to sound bad. I, I think I just felt like Nick had kind of topped out, you know? Um, so that's why I kind of had a feeling Andrew was going to take this one um, regardless of records, um, just because Andrew's got that kind of killer instinct. And I think Nick does this because he likes the craft uh, and he likes, um, you know, the competition part of it, but maybe just lacks that that killer instinct. And I think that was the difference in the fight. Again, was just the the pure aggression and killer instinct of Sturdivant that that made the difference. Um, Nick Wigley is a great guy uh, uh, and a really good competitor. I just, you know, I just don't feel he has that that thing that 
Um, I don't even know how to explain it. Uh, you know, remember that when Greg took that first punch from from Jason, that look in his eye? Yeah. yeah. You know, that, that. I think that's what he's missing was that that just fucking anger, you know, like, oh, shit, you just hit me, motherfucker. Right. And, you know, um, and I don't know. It may sound cliche, but I just think to Nick's too nice a guy, uh, you know, to to have that killer instinct. So um, hats off to Andrew Sturdivant. You know, we always kid around. He's he's one down, one up, one down, one up. And this was his one up. Um I don't know, Tim. Who do you, who do you see now in the waitings to fight? Because I feel like Andrews fought everybody already. Yeah. Now that he's got the belt, you know, do you start recycling old opponents now? Well, potentially. You know, I think there's two ways that two trains of thought. I think you could go with a young buck that's just got a win and like a Joel Winters. Or what I really like is running it back with Garrett Sharp. Garrett Sharp is now four and one, but one that one loss is to Andrews Sturdivant. And so, uh, you know, you run that back. Sturdivant uh, has a win over him already. You know, Garrett has clawed his way back up the ranks uh, to earn a rematch uh, against the guy that beat him. You know, so that's a fight that I think has the best kind of narrative. Right. What do we got there, Justin? Everybody got that one correct. All right. Our amateur main event for the 155 title uh, vacated by Joe Long. It is Dan Bailey. Uh, four and one uh, t- from KMAA taking on uh, the also four and one Carter Beekman out of Blaylocks. Great fight here, man. Uh, really solid three round decision win for Dan Bailey. Unanimous on all the cards. Um, man, I thought he looked the best he's ever looked. His wrestling was really, really solid on point. Got dropped a couple times throughout the fight, but kind of sprang right back up. Carter Beekman uh, throwing them bombs, man, throwing that heat. But I felt like he overcommitted a few times and really kind of left himself open to those takedowns uh, by Dan Bailey, who, uh, like I said, looked the best he's looked. I thought he that I thought on this night, he finally started kind of looking like like a pro fighter. If that makes sense. So now he's kind of looking like a guy that's about ready to kind of make that leap. Uh, Carter Beekman's still the 170 champion uh, at Valor, and we'll uh, we'll see him defending that belt coming up soon against the winner. Number one contenders bout that is going down at the Joe October third. Shlomo Boyd against Samaj Portis, who had a huge knockout last time. So uh, I think both those guys are going to put on a good fight with the winner getting Beatman. And man, I got to say, George Lowe lurking in the shadows. Uh, let's go to uh, we'll go to Greg. This is make sure Carter Beatman and Daniel Bailey. Yeah, right yep, yep. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, I think that Carter. Um, I think I mean he may have. I don't know. I had spoke to Carter before or after this fight, but uh, I spoke uh, to Carter. Carter said he thought he won. Oh well, I I hadn't spoke to like Carla. I think that weight cut for the first time back down to one fifty five. Uh, you know, the first time is the hardest, and you did it for a championship belt. So, uh, but Daniel Bailey, you know, is a dude. I mean, he's head and shoulders above what I thought he was. I didn't give him enough credit, and his double legs. So smooth on Carter when he was when Carter was over. He was baiting him in because he knew Carter was going to swing heavy and powerful. And Dan just, I mean, he would step in and wait for that, and he'd step out. And as he's stepping in, he'd come back in and lower his level. And it was a thing of beauty because he was taking Carter, you know, step for step across the ring. And I, I just couldn't get over. I was beyond uh, impressed with with Daniel Bailey over his over his victory over the 170 champion. And uh, with that being said. Uh, I wonder if Carter is Carter going to stay down at 55. What has he said his plans yet? 
I will, you know, I haven't really talked to him at length about that. I know he plans to defend his 170 title still, uh, but I, I still would imagine that 155 is where he's going to have his most success unless the weight cut was just super rough on him. I don't think that he looked, you know, too out of sorts as far as that part goes. He looked good. He just uh, he looked like it, it might have might have messed him up a little bit. But I'm not taking anything away from the champ right now. 155, Daniel. Dude, he uh, good lord, dude. I mean, to take to take a guy to Carter Bateman to class and teach him a lesson like that is something something special. So hats off to Dan. Justin with the picks. Uh, Greg dropped that one. The other two are correct. Moving on to the pros, we had uh, the catch weight of 110 pounds. Pro debut for both these ladies, Sarah Hayes from KMAA, takes a unanimous decision win, two rounds to one over the uh, the lovely Crystal Van Wick, or is it Crystal the lovely Van Wick? One of the two. Uh, pleasure to work with, no matter what. She was out of uh, Battle Room MMA in Rock Hill, South Carolina, by way of Cape Town, South, Af- South Africa. Right away, you could tell what these ladies wanted to do. Uh, Van Wick wants to strike. Uh, Hayes wants to get it to the ground. Uh, Van Wick takes the first round. I'm pretty positive on all the cards. But in the second and third rounds, Hayes starts to turn it on. The second round, very, very close. Third round, definitely Hayes with the top control. Uh, Hayes gets the unanimous decision win in her debut. And we'll have a quick turnaround. We'll announce this one tomorrow. But uh, Hayes, we will see you again uh, right back in action on October 3rd uh, at the Joe. We'll go to Chad for this one. Sarah did a great job in implementing the game plan, uh, eliminating Crystal's kickboxing, getting her to the ground. Uh, I think the first round, she was just kind of filling out her range, um, ate a couple of big shots. Crystal won that round pretty handedly. Uh, but then that pressure and that, that wrestling grind just started taking it out of Crystal. And like you said, close round in the second. And come third round, Sarah, all she had to do was get that takedown and just kind of ride it out. It was a great game plan, great win for her her pro debut. Now, Justin. Uh, everybody took Hayes. All right. Second pro bout of the night, another women's bout at Bantamweight. It was uh, Christina Roadhouse, Ricker Adcock out of KMAA getting Hannah Rosario out of there in the second round for Hannah's pro debut uh, with a ninja choke, they say. Um, uh, Both ladies looked pretty good. Both ladies had their moments, uh, but it was Ricker Adcock that was just kind of able to put her, keep her foot on the gas, keep that pressure on Hannah Rosario, finally get that submission win. Moves her record one step closer to 500, three and four now, an exciting win there. Go to Hobbs. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, Yeah. And and it's getting, her name's getting to be a a mouthful to announce now. Um, Christina Roadhouse Ricker Adcock. It's a lot. Um, I think the difference in this was obviously experience, um, regardless of a record, you know, Christina has been in there with some of the best man. And, um, uh, you know, I, th- I think that was the difference maker in this, in this bout. Um, like you said, she puts her foot on the gas. She, she never, she never really panic, uh, and just, uh, you know, stays true to the, to the game plan and, um, I mean, well, I don't know what else to say about it. Like I said, I think uh, six professional fights in Victor Vet, uh, been in there with some killers. And so kind of when she comes back home and, and is able to get out from, you know, television cameras in her face and, and big lights and settle back down uh, those those big nights in uh, where is it? Uh, Kansas City or wherever they go and for Invicta pays off when she comes home because she's able to uh, use those experiences and uh, and kind of dominate at home. 
And Justin, the scores. Uh, everybody took Rigger. All right. Up next, it was uh, you either love him or you hate him, or you hate to love him, or you love to hate him. I don't know. But Cole Farrell moves to 10 and 0 with a first round TKO victory over Majin Durham, who falls to 0 and 3. Cole showing off the hands this time. Uh, had been submitting guys a lot as of late, but uh, gets a uh, gets a knockout here. TKO anyway over Majin, moves to 10 and 0. Uh, Greg? I. Uh... I mean, I'm, I'm not sure. Cole went in there and did what he said. He was, well, how fast did he beat him? 30 13, seconds? 13 seconds, 14 seconds, 14, 14. 14 seconds. Yeah, he, he uh, finished him pretty quick. I wasn't expecting that quick of a finish. But, I mean, like, again, love him or hate him. He's 10-0, and, and he's getting hard to ignore. And he's making waves around the MMA world. If people are noticing what's going on, uh, regardless of who he's fighting and when he's fighting, where he's fighting, he is, was nine and zero, you know, less than a month ago, or eight and zero less than a month ago, and now he's ten and zero. He's he's trying to stay as busy as possible with this pandemic, and uh, uh, my hats off to him, man. Eventually, he's he's not he's not going to take that, that you know a super duper tough fight until he gets paid for it. So I, I can't just say I disagree with what he's doing, man. The guys, uh, guys building that record right now, and he's getting there, and ten and zero, you know, that's uh, not a lot of people can say that. So. Uh, yeah, Justin, was that a clean sweep there, Justin? Yes, sir. All right. Up next, we had a come from behind victory. It was a flyweight bout as Taylor Turner came a took on Ashley Dean, a pariah MMA, all the way from Colorado Springs. They were great to work with, great, a good bunch. Uh, Taylor Turner with a pretty dominant first round with the grappling, second round, uh, for about Four minutes of it, she was dominant with the grappling, but gave up a position and ended up getting uh, submitted by a rear naked choke by Ashley Dean, who stayed the course and came from behind and got that second round submission win. Um, I thought that it, I would have liked to have seen Taylor keep it standing more. I actually thought she was doing well in the striking exchanges and probably could have done fine there without necessarily uh, pushing for the takedown so much. But, uh, you know, regardless, great fight by both ladies. Congratulations to Ashley Dean making the long ride out here and picking a win up to go to five and five. Go to chat. I did not see this one coming. Um, I I thought Taylor was going to come in and, and do as she did in the first round and just dominate. Um, and, you know, gave up one one minute of bad position and cost cost the whole fight. But, uh, you know, kudos to Ashley. Uh, you know, she 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 lost the first round, was losing the second round and, and somehow or another got got in good position and. And, and got the choke. Uh, good fight for both ladies, though. And Justin? Everybody got that one incorrectly. All right. Moving on to our feature bout. Another uh, upset by, uh, for the hometown guy. Uh, it was Bubba Bad News Cruz taking on the debuting Quintess Sapp all the way from Charleston, Crop God, South Carolina. And, uh, man, uh, once these guys clinched up, uh, Sapp went for some takedowns. Uh, Bubba did a really nice job of defending them early. But once he was able to get him down, Eventually able to transition to uh, to the back and got a submission win over Bubba Cruz. Bubba not happy with his performance, looking to get back in there ASAP there. Uh, and congrats to Quintess Sapp. He came into hometown territory and uh, and put it on the put it on the hometown guy. A tough loss for Bubba Cruz, and uh, you know he'll be he'll be looking to get back in there quick. Uh, we'll go to Hobbs. Yeah, this was uh, like Chad just said on the last one. Did not see this one coming. Um, <clears throat> I think I, I remember immediately after a few seconds turning to you, Tim, and just going, where the hell did this guy come from? Like, right. what? Who, who is this guy? Um, just strong showing by him, man. Um, and who knows, man? I, 
I don't know. Does this does this kind of lay out the blueprint for future you know opponents of, of Bubba Cruz? Is you know weather the storm for a second and then you know I don't know. Um, I I don't know. Did we even discuss what Sapp's background as an amateur was? It's because not. It's nothing that's jaw dropping. He's like six and four. I just felt like. Again, like who the hell is this guy? Where did he come from? Well, you know? I want to, I want to state, I want to state that um, uh, Sap didn't make weight. You know, he was he came in five pounds over. Uh, That's true. He was the eighth. Yeah, can you explain that, Tim? Because originally, when we signed this this fight was in. Yeah, yeah. Originally, yeah. So originally, this fight was this fight's been set like three times when it kept getting canceled. So originally, set for March 28th in Chattanooga. Uh, that fight, Bubba asked that the fight be moved to. Um, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. That fight, it was actually supposed to be a 170. The March 28th was supposed to be a 170. March 28th show got canceled. We rebooked it for August in Knoxville at the Joe. Uh, with the timing of the rebooking, Bubba requested that that fight be moved to 175 uh, so he could have more uh, chance of making weight on short notice. Quintez agreed, and we went uh, to 175. Then COVID strikes again, cancels that show, um, and uh, Bubba's ready to go back down to 170. Um, the con- the contract was made out for 170, um, and which Sap signed. Uh, but uh, I think he just kind of missed it all, and that that's what I don't know if he just didn't read it over, or he just kind of assumed that we were staying back at 175 because that's what August was. So I think like it was an honest uh, mistake. I, I say, honestly, it sounds like a feasible explanation. Uh, you know, now he can be obviously. Um, uh, obviously at fault for not reading it and paying attention. And that, that is his fault, but it doesn't sound like some of the lame ass stories that you hear about weight sometimes with right. cancellations and rebookings and that it was at one point at 175. And look, I'm not making excuses. You miss weight, you miss weight, but I don't think to, 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 to drop in the fact that he weighed in five pounds heavier than Bubba had any bearing on what happened in that fight. And, and he gave 40% of his purse up too. So he, he was, it was, it was, it was a bad business move and a bad financial move for him. But I'm not going to sit here and act like that's why he won that fight because he was five pounds heavier than Bubba Cruz. Well, I mean, uh, I mean well, you got to, yeah, put it, put it into perspective. Yeah, five pounds is just five pounds. But you got to think about this. Bubba, you know, I made the wake up with him, and that guy was killing himself three days before the fight, and he struggled to make 170. And he came in at 168 because he was so worried about being over. So that guy really depleted his body for three days, and then Sap comes in looking like a million bucks at 175, has all the energy in the world, where Bubba's depleted. I'm, and I'm not making excuses, Sap. You know, when as soon as he got under Bubba's hips, he took him down and got around him and went to school. But uh, that five pounds. It makes a huge bit of difference when Sap comes in weighing 190 and the five and Bubba comes in weighing 174, 175. So, uh, well, if he depleted himself that much, Greg, then how in the hell did he only gain four pounds for the fight? I mean, 168 plus plus that is seven and a half pounds. You know, that's it. That's all he gains back after a a horrendous cut like that. After you deplete your body of water for a week, uh, have a week. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't gain a whole lot back. I mean, you, if you're down three days in a row and you suck your body down from 89, 90 to, for that, and you've kept that knowledge for a week, you're, you're not going to just jump right back up in less than 24 hours, you know, 20 pounds. 
And if you do, you're going to accumulate some diarrhea and some also a bunch of other shit going through your body that you don't want to really do. So, I mean, I'd rather go out there and lose than go out there and get punched in the stomach and shit myself in front of a thousand people. But I'm just saying five pounds, you come in five pounds over against me, I'm not fighting your ass. It's the professionalism of it. You sign the dotted line. With that being said, I can't take it. And here's the deal, Greg. He had, here's the deal. He had that option. No, he did, yeah. But, but again, this fight's been canceled three times. You're getting yeah. 20% of guys first. It's a, it's a hard argument not to take that fight in your hometown after you've sold so many tickets. This is where you're supposed to make your money a little bit for the thing. you got all your home crowd there to see you. How, 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 what kind of guy are you going to be not to take the fight? Oh, yeah. You're right there, too. It, it, it definitely puts, uh, puts the guy at a uh, – I'm uh, not it, saying you're wrong. I said, but we can't bar- argue both sides of it. I mean yeah. – No, oh, no, no. I argue both sides. That was spectacular. Uh, we didn't even know nothing about Sutton coming into this. I, it was hard to train Bubba for this. There was no video footage on the cat. We just knew he was going to be a home coming in, and we had to watch the wrestling, and that was it. And, it and, like and I think that's what the story of this fight is, is this guy just seems to have come out as a complete unknown and, and looked really well. He made a, he made his name known Saturday night because Bubba, you know, bad news is he, he's still a tough one, but Sat did. He uh, leaped bounds there. He did great. Look, and I don't say, I mean, it, this isn't one that should be run back. I don't know. Bubba's never been opposed to rematches and, and get the weight right and, and see what happens. I like that, but Bubba, I mentioned it to him. I was like, I mean, are you even looking at any re, me to rematch? And he, you know, his, his actual words to me were, no, Sat beat me. He did beat me. I don't care if he was overweight. It doesn't matter. He beat me, and I don't want an immediate rematch. And it's not because I don't think I could beat him. It's because when everybody – and uh, everybody from Kyle's gym, you know, Kyle Lee wanted to wanted to have an immediate immediate rematch. I thought it was a joke because I put him away. So I don't want to be that guy coming to SAP and looking for an immediate rematch and then laughing at me. So let me get a couple more wins. I don't feel worthy of an immediate rematch, but I want it, but not right now. I'll get it. That's, yeah, that's, it uh, that's why I like Bubba Cruz because he's got a good fucking head on his shoulders. He makes sense. <clears throat> Justin, how did uh, the pick shake out there? No points for anyone. All right. Co-main event, Bantamweight Championship on the line, the last held by Cody Durden before he signed with the UFC. And it was James Adcock, the veteran from KMAA, taking on the young Jeremy Mitchell, undefeated at 2-0. and And, man, this was a scrap while it lasted. It was only about a minute and a half, but it was a lot going on in that minute and a half. A lot of transitions. Both guys had their moments. But in the scramble, Jeremy uh, Mitchell able to take the back of James Adcock, and he capitalized on his moment and got that submission there. Uh, with a rear naked choke there about a minute and a half into the first round and is now the Bantamweight champion, uh, a professional Bantamweight champion uh, at 3-0. and So uh, I know that there'll be some guys coming after him. I'm sure Dre Miley will have his eyes set on that strap uh, in the coming, uh, or maybe a Cole Farrell, you know, uh, in, in the coming months. Uh, let's see. I guess it is uh, – it. Greg was probably in the back warming up, so I'm going to go to uh, to chat on this. It was a it was a great fight. Um, like we said in the in the picks panel, I, I think I even said that Jeremy's going to come out and try to finish James right off the bat. I thought James might could weather the storm and and kind of drag him out there in deep waters a little bit, but uh, you know Jeremy just come out and he was too much. Um, James did good, but once uh, Jeremy got on top and, and transitioned and and got the hooks in and, and got the choke in. That was that was all she wrote. And Justin, how'd they pick him? Only Greg picked up the point there. 
All right, that brings us to our main event for the welterweight championship. Jason King taking on Greg Hopkins. And uh, this one uh, was a wild one. We only got about three minutes of action, but there was a lot of stuff going on in it. Had all the makings of being one of those uh, those classics, man. Uh, early in the fight, uh, we got a little bit of everything. We got some clinch work. There was uh, really no a clear cut uh, advantage there in the clinch, uh, you know, from range, Jason King uh, scoring, uh, scoring some, some solid uh, kicks uh, and uh, punches as well. Uh, Greg uh, figures out the range eventually and drops Jason with a big right hand. And, uh, and at that point, uh, you know, the crowd just absolutely erupts. Yeah, Greg gets to side control and, uh, they, they continue to scramble there to where Jason ends up in Greg's guard. Uh, Greg with a double arm bar, uh, submission attempt, uh, that is unsuccessful. In the meantime, now Jason King is beginning to, to get his, his wherewithal back from, from the huge crushing right hand. And, uh, you know, there's a separation of sorts where, uh, Greg begins to uh, push back and try to, to separate off of Jason or get Jason off of him, uh, pushing him back with his feet. Unfortunately, his foot catches Jason in the face. Jason unable to continue, and uh, the referee's ruling ends up being a disqualification of Greg Hopkins in what was shaping up to be uh, a real good one. You know, one of those fights where, you know, you know it's just going to be a roller coaster um, and I, no one likes that it ended like that. Uh, Jason King declines the belt at the end of the evening, uh, doesn't want to win it like that. And uh, Coach Eric Turner has uh, already promised the rematch uh, as soon as Jason is cleared from his 60-day suspension. So that's certainly a fight that everybody wants to see uh, again because it was just a whole lot of fun for as long as it lasted. Both guys, uh, like I said, having, having their moments there and uh, definitely not, a, not the way you want to see a fight end um, especially not a main event title fight like that with so much uh, anticipation behind it, of course. Uh, my opinion, it probably should have been a no contest. I think that, uh, you know, uh, the intent uh, wasn't really there to, to even throw an up kick. It was more of like a, a push, honestly, that uh, was was misplaced, essentially. Um, I hate that uh, it worked out like that, but at the same time, I know that the rematch will be uh, you know, stellar and both those guys are going to be, you know, definitely dialed in and, and bring the best version of themselves uh, now that they've uh, kind of realized what they're in there with. Uh, well, I'm going to go to everybody on this one just to get their take because uh, this one was, uh, this is the main event, man. I'll start with you, Chad, and then we'll go to Jeff and then we'll finish up with Greg. Um, first off, kudos to Greg. Um, I know on the podcast, I picked Jason and uh, I thought Jason was going to be able to keep him at bay. Um, but Greg is tough as hell. I've seen it. I seen it when he fought Trevor in Alabama, uh, just absolutely tough, gritty competitor. And it, it really wasn't until Jason tagged him that it was almost like Greg was like, shit, let's go. It's, it's time to go. And, uh, you know, that overhand right was a thing of beauty. Um, and to address the, the controversy, I've rolled with Greg up there to Gogi, and uh, he does use his feet to push off. Um, so when I saw it on on live on the pay-per-view, uh, that's what I thought was actually going on. Um, I've watched that thing time and time again. Um, in the first initial push, Jason leans back and then starts coming in as Greg, to me it looks like he's aiming for the exact same spot he had just pushed off on. Uh, Jason comes in, kind of comes to a different spot, connects with, with the foot. 
Um, I agree with you. Should have been a no contest. Um, I hate for both of the guys how it had to end. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's one of those things that's unfortunate. But, you know, heck of a heck of a start of a fight. I uh, felt like Greg handled himself and in Jason as well. But anytime you come on the wrong end of, of a call like that, uh, for Greg to, to grab the mic and, and tell the, the crowd to stop booing, um, you know, that to me is a class act. So kudos to Greg on that. All right, Jeff. Um, I mean, the only positive that came out of this was that I gained a freaking point on this picks panel. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, we're recording this for everybody listening on Wednesday. You got to understand, we've all been talking about it since Saturday, you know, yeah, since yeah. 11 o'clock Saturday night. So it's kind of draining to have to talk about it again when you've kind of rehashed it with everybody you've talked to for the last four days, it seems like. Um, it's just unfortunate, man. And I, I don't want to say we're kind of uh jinx, but when we put together these just what seemed to be epic style main events, fucked up shit happens. It seems that this always happens. I don't know <laughs> because you know, we go to these these towns where, you know, somebody that's in the main event is is so much larger than life to all their friends and family and in the community and they just become these big monster of regional events or local event that there's just so much riding on it and and it it hits the fighters a different way and, and they're on a different level and it and you know shit just gets crazy and then we end up with something like this and it's really because the event itself and, and the match itself has become so big and so important for both parties and both fan bases that both fighters are just you know, they're throwing everything but the kitchen sink. And, you know, do I think Greg intentionally fouled somebody? Absolutely not. Um, do I think he was, you know, at the time, I haven't watched the replay. I'm not paying money to watch the replay. Um, but, you know, at the time, I felt it was more just reckless kicking, like, get the fuck off of me, get the fuck off of me, and just trying to get out of there. Uh, and just, just kicking his feet to just – Look, whatever you're going to put, I'm going to kick whatever's in front of me. I think it was bad timing of Jason uh, kind of – Jason's a tall guy anyway. Mm. So he kind of postured up to me when he postured up on his knees. He got so tall, you know, maybe you could almost feel that he was in the process of standing up. Or maybe he had he had risen, started rising up because the, the guy's tall and he was posturing back up uh, to try to move away. Um, so I don't know, man. I, I mean, I'm not going to blame the ref and I'm not going to say it should have been a no contest or it should have been a DQ because just the same as, as in judging, um, it, it's one man's opinion. Unfortunately, it's the man who has all the control at that time. Um, it, it's just his opinion and that's what he went with. Um, you know, I've watched Greg's live feed that he did, I think on Monday or Tuesday and, you know, he had a lot of good points in it. Um, I, I can't imagine the rematch being any bigger, but I think Greg's definitely set the tone for the rematch to get bigger because I feel like as respectful as Greg has been to uh, KMAA and the promotion, um, 
it, I think the second time is going to be more personal than it's going to be uh, a contest. It's going to be more more personal than the first time was. First time was a contest of MMA. I think this next time it's going to be a fight um, when it happens because, um, you know, like I said, Greg had some good points in, in his in his live feed the other day, but but you can tell there's some things that Jason has said since the fight that have rubbed him the wrong way. Um, maybe it sounded like Jason's perception of what happened has rubbed Greg the wrong way. And I don't know if we should do the rematch in Chattanooga. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I think we might need to do that rematch in in Nashville, somewhere opposite of both of them. Because I don't think yeah. that Joe could handle that. And I don't think I don't think we need to go to Chattanooga or they might burn the son of a bitch down. Uh, the scariest part of that whole thing was more so Greg's mom after the fight. You know, we almost had to escort the damn referee out because she was going to kill him. Uh, <laughs> she followed She paced around and mean mugged him and pointed at him. Oh. The whole rest of it. It's like, dude, you're going to have to get out of here. That lady's about to whoop your ass. Oh, Lord. <laughs> to me, I think it comes down to intent. You know, we see fouls all the time that don't necessarily lead to disqualifications. Case in point, the Demir versus David fight where they had uh, they overturned the ruling. Uh, of give, actually giving Demir the win, even though it was illegal blows that brought an eagle uh, that brought an end to the fight and, and made that fight a no contest. There's no disqualification involved. Um, and then, of course, uh, you know you can look back at several instances. I think in the UFC and find uh, instances where uh, you know there's been illegal blows that didn't lead to a disqualification because the the uh, the intent wasn't there so much. Uh, that said, it is the referee's. Uh, it's a judgment call. It's at his discretion. You know, so uh, you're kind of uh, left to to you know your, to your appeals process at that point uh it, it, you know if you so choose uh we'll go to the man himself greg hopkins you've made your feelings known in your uh, live feed on facebook of course not everybody uh you know out there listening necessarily follows uh, your facebook feed uh, your thoughts on all this uh, situation well uh i have stated my opinion to everybody and i've been as respectful as possible about it with somebody i mean Again, at the end of the day, this is my career. This is my record. This is what everybody looks at behind your name when they see your name. Because if you have a loss on your record, they want to know who it was. They want to know when it was and how you got it. And, I mean, when everybody asks me how the fight go, I have to say I lost. And I still, at this point in time, do not feel like I lost. Because as soon as it happened... Jason was coherent, listening enough to look up, to get his foul call, and once he got his foul call, he flopped back. After that, the referee even put, you know, told me to go stand in the corner, and I said, you know that wasn't intentional. And he said, and I quote, I know it happens. Go over there to the corner. Wait. And then when you're not – and then I went over to the corner, and I told Eric, I was like, hey, you know that that wasn't intentional, right? And he said – he put his hands in there and said, yes, I know. It happens. All right? And then Vince was even on commentary saying that it's obviously going to be a no contest. And I, uh, I can ask you guys straight up right now. I know the referee went over there and said, I know that wasn't flagrant. It wasn't flagrant. And it wasn't. It didn't have malicious intent. So how is it, how is it intentional if it wasn't flagrant and malicious? Now I'm going to go back to his, his head kick to me when I had three points down. When I was trying to get up after I went in for that shot. They didn't – the referee completely missed that one. So 
completely missed out. Anybody who saw the fight, and you don't have to be biased to know that he was going to kick me when I was down, and he scored off of it. He scored big time off of it. I felt it. Back to that, then when I finally hit him with the right, and he went down, that's when that's when the fight went sideways for him. That's when he doesn't remember what happened for the rest of the night. And again, I'm trying to keep this respectful as possible. I could have put on, you know, I was going to make this ugly, and I was going to make Jason look bad. But I'm not going to do that to Jason because at the end of the day, Jason is chasing the same dream I am. And I'm trying to have respect for him as a fighter, but not to be carried on your shield or die in battle, but to find that way out that you did. It is personal now, and I am pissed off about it. And if you do take this fight, you're not going to win. I will tell you that right now. It's not going to happen. 100%. You know, bait Jason, put your money on Greg because the title's coming home. But I don't want to wait 60 fucking days to find out you started training again so we can have another fight 60 days later. I don't want to wait four months to fight you in January or February. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. What I want to do, what I want to do is I want to get somebody else up there to fight me. I don't care if you if I get my fight for the title, for an interim title. I want to have something to show for that I got to prove, like to show that I put, I put in the time, I put in the effort, and that little DQ right there is going to get fixed when Jason comes back. It'll get fixed when Jason comes back. I want that fight when Jason comes back. It's been promised to me. My whole life, my whole life, I don't want to go into my whole life story, but my whole life I've been getting been getting pushed around and screwed around and dicked over and fucking everything but dicked down by somebody. And I'm just I'm just getting sick and tired of having things just slip away from me and me being a nice guy, grabbing the mic under by, hey, guys, respect this man, don't boo him, don't do this, don't do that. Tell him, my, you know, tell him my girl's son that you guys grow up, you got to do like this, you got to set the right example. But... At what point in time do I turn around and say, what the fuck, this is my career. Like, when, when do I get a, a say-so in something? So I was a no contest. The referee looked at everybody greenside and said, I know it wasn't malicious. And I know it wasn't flagrant. So how the hell was it intentional? When he looked at Jason and looked at me, he said, I know it wasn't intentional. Then you want to turn around and change your opinion when the doctor comes in here. The doctor came in. He looked at Jason and he said, Jason, take two forward steps towards me. Jason said, I need to sit down. And Raymond Daniels kicked that boy a lot harder than I did. All right? So... Academy Award winner, Jason King for the night. Let's fight again. I don't want it in January. I don't want it in February. I want another fight before then. I hate fighting on Christmas. I hate fighting on Thanksgiving because that's when my whole family's around. But guess what? They'll all come and watch. So I don't know where we're going to fight. It could be at Joe, Nashville, Chattanooga. But I don't want to sit and wait. I'm in shape. I was in shape for five rounds. I was ready to go five rounds. I got three minutes. And that's about how long it was going to take for me to finish it. So please help me out. Who do you want to fight, Greg? Let's go. No, I said, who do you who do you have anybody in mind in the in the meantime? Uh, at the moment, I don't have anybody in mind. I don't have anybody in mind but Jason King. I can't eat, sleep, shit. I can't do nothing right right now without thinking about this rematch. And I know it's not going to happen for you know two to four months. So I'm trying to figure out how how I'm gonna how I'm gonna keep momentum going because right now, I mean, I was I had a lot of implications on this title, looking for me to go here, go there, and I mean. You know, what my ticket out of the, out of this smaller, you know, the smaller world. But I mean, I I, I want to stick around. I love Balor, and this is not changing my opinion on Balor. Uh, the, the the promotion had nothing to do with the decision. Uh, I I don't I don't know why people are calling me saying that fight was fixed, it was set up, and blah 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 blah. It's not at all the case. And I'm sorry, right now we're in a traffic jam. There's police police cars everywhere with the sirens going off, and I'm trying to. I got a lot going on where I'm at, so. But You're kind of a big I want deal. I'm sorry. I want something, and I want it soon, 
Uh, and I, I don't know. We could talk about that off off of this and, and get it going. But uh, as for now, yes, I'm salty. I'm upset. I'm pissed off. And I, you know, I just I don't I don't know any other way to be right now. I and mean, if y'all can you know, direct me to a better sportsmanship and a better possible out, out you know, re- reaction to an outcome in this, uh, please steer me in the right because I have a lot of people saying that I ain't wrong. Every point I point out is right. And uh, I still, I'm still gonna commentate. I'm still gonna do the podcast. I'm, I'm a businessman as well as uh, Jason King is. So when everybody's saying the businessman won, that's that's not the case. Yeah, we're not shitting. And, and, and I love KMAA. You know, as far as Jason goes, the fighter. You know, I lost a lot of respect for him there. Does it does it change the fact that he still got a, a set of skills that can kill a lot of people? Hey, I'm just gonna throw it out there, Greg. I don't. I'm just throwing it out there. What, what's your record again? Three and one. Three and one. There's a guy that we were all pretty impressed with that came out of nowhere that's now 1-0 that I think his style, um, what he showed us, Quintez Sapp, man, at 170 would be a good fight while you're waiting, man. Well, if Quintez Sapp can make 170 and it's something that we can make the money right this time on stuff, uh, I mean, I'm, 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 you know. We'll I mean, it might, scratch you, it might scratch your itch, man, and, and get you, you know. You're itching right now. It might be the scratch you need to just uh, get yeah, back I, in there not, and fight. I'm not, opposed, I'm not opposed to just about any fucking body right now. Because <laughs> I'm, picking, I'm just tired of my life going the way it is. And if I got to go in there and fight Quintez Sapp, uh, let's let him make weight. Let him talk. Let him talk. Uh, let him, there's contract. There's also there's a lot of fights out there. And I, I, know, and I ain't going to change shit because as soon as I won this title, I'm just going to have targets all over my back. Everybody in the country is going to want to fight me. So they ain't going to change shit right now. So... I don't, I don't care. I don't got no disrespect for nobody here except for Jason King at the moment. So I want that fight four months. I don't, I don't, I don't, between now and then, let's get another one set up because I can't sit around forever or else I'm, I'm 32. I'll be 33 in a few months. Like, at what point in time do I do I fuck up and say, hey, this is my career. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, I'm ran, I'm hey, ran, man. Tell you what. I think that uh, I think that that's definitely something we can arrange. Uh, you and I will converse and uh, see what we can get set up. Uh, a meet, you know, October the third is looking like uh, you know it's just right around the corner. But uh, you know, you're in shape, and it's something that we could probably uh, finagle. And uh, with this much time, with our November card being an all amateur show, so uh, yeah, it's one of those things where uh, we'll we'll see if we can't put our heads together, and make something happen to, to keep you busy while uh, King recovers from his uh, medical suspension. Uh, man, we're, Justin, uh, the picks. Um, <clears throat> Hobbs and Chad took uh, Jason on that one. I bet they don't fucking pick them next time. I'm getting off here, guys. <laughs> you're I'll see you. you're damn right I won't. <laughs> All right. I'm going to pass. I'm going to defer. <laughs> I'm just not even picking. <laughs> All right, Justin, how do we take out? So at the end of the night, uh, Hobbs ends up with 14 points, Greg with 13, Chad with 12. Uh, so for this uh, this little season we got going, Hobbs in the lead with 42, Greg with 39, Chad with 36. What? what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, until uh, next time, I appreciate everybody joining us here for our recap and review. I'm sure that rematch will uh, will come uh, to fruition here in the in the in the coming months, and I know that we'll all be excited for it. Uh, thanks once again to our panelists. Uh, we had uh, Greg Hopkins, Jeff Hobbs, Chad Finnerty, as well as my co-host Justin Watson. 
for uh, for my Valor Hour crew, I'm your host, Tim Boy, signing up from another edition. Uh, we'll see you all next week. This is a Sitting Ringside with David Penzer Quick Fix on Radio Influence. This week on City Ringside, we do something a little different than we've ever done before. We're going to talk to an indie lifer, 26 years exclusively on the indie scene based out of the Northeast, where you could wrestle several times, if not multiple times per weekend in all the different boroughs of New York and surrounding states. We're going to talk to Andrew Anderson, who is also dabbles in the acting business. It's a good thing he does about what it was like to lose the opportunity to have wrestling events. Uh, there are no indie shows if there are no crowds. So uh, how he got through it. We're also going to talk about a lot of the legends and how they're doing and if they're able to make ends meet and how you might be able to help them. And a little bit of positive stuff for the future. It looks like things are getting back to normal little by little. So an interesting conversation, a change of pace this week on City Ringside. We talk about how COVID has affected indie wrestling. Sitting Ringside with David Penzer can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.